Good evening, everyone. Welcome to Lost in the Long Box for August 28th, 2019. Randy will not be with us tonight. He is off at Dragon Con in Atlanta, Georgia. We hope you have us having fun. I'm here, Thomas, with Madman on the Boards. Hello. If you're watching us on YouTube, you just saw Enos walk in. He'll be getting mic'd up here for just a moment. Oh, uh, he's moment. wearing a Green Hulk shirt. Oh, he's going to look invisible on the back screen, isn't he? Yeah. Yeah. Yep, yep, yep. Look at him. You he's, can barely see him. He's a ghost. He's a ghost. Edith's the ghost. All right. So how was everybody's weekend? It was good, man. How was yours? Eh, pretty good. Yeah, it was pretty good. I can't, uh, can't complain. Didn't can you guys hear me? Okay, I'm good, good. Yeah, we got you on now. Yeah, man. Last of the vacation. Good to be back with you guys. Missed y'all last week. Yeah, yeah. we missed you too, Enos. Yeah, it was Enos good too. to be missed, man. But I, but I did check in with y'all. On uh, <laughs> you were talking about that wrestling comic, so I said I had to uh, check with uh, Randy. On, I'm not Randy, but uh, Tommy on that one. Jim Cornette, huh? Yep, Jim Cornette. They couldn't stop me last week. It was it was comic book related. Uh yeah, exactly. It was comic book related. <laughs> I was, look, and, and I'm just sitting there visualizing Randy, like because I, I had to cut it off and go and go into church, but I could just see the look on Randy's face, man. So. <laughs> Yep. It couldn't stop me last week. It was comic book related. Yes, sir. Was... I still need to get that one. I haven't been able to pick it up yet. It's, and before, it's sold out pretty quick. And before and after the show, he's talking about wrestling. Oh, my the whole God. Time. Oh, was, my goodness. It was a nightmare. See, see, you, see, we have our best fun. Folks, you guys don't realize it, but we have some of our best fun after we're done. Right. And, oh, no and, doubt. And, and, and we always sit and talk, and we talk about different things, and it's like, I think Randy and Tommy take turns to see who can antagonize each other the most, and it's the and it's the most fun to watch. Believe that's what, that, that's what, what friends do, right? Exactly, exactly. We you know, we've, we've known each other now for I guess about probably ten years. It seems. So, okay, go ahead. Yeah, probably pretty close to that. If you, not, you know something. So. I just thought about something. I've known you, you for about I, fifteen. You, we've known each other for about fifteen. Mm-hmm. Man, time flies when you having fun, man. Absolutely. Telling yep. you. Yeah, we've worked we've worked together that long, so we've known each yes, other for about indeed. fifteen. Yeah, I, we were we were we were brought together by a mutual friend, the one and only Erica Smith. And I don't know what happened to her. I haven't seen her in ages. She is in Colorado. She oh, okay. left and went to Colorado and she was last working with Progressive. So Erica, for some reason, you wind up watching this. Greetings from Tommy and Enos. We've moved up into big time. You can That's watch right. us on YouTube now. So we're doing the thing, and we miss you. Hope your things is well in Colorado. I remember when Randy said that that someone suggested that we add a add you to the show, and he said and he said, "Oh, his name's Enos Nickens." I'm like, "Oh, I know Enos. I've known him for years." Yeah. Pretty crazy stuff. Yeah, it is. Yeah, it is. All right, so we're gonna start a little bit different tonight. We're gonna do the new books first, fo- uh, followed by the news because one of the news articles goes in directly to tonight's topic. Okay. So coming out today, we have Batman Superman number one. Looks like they're rebooting that. Up in the sky in the dark of night, trust no one for the secret six walk among us. Spinning out of the devastating events of Batman Who Laughs, Superman and Batman are together once more in an all-new monthly series. They're facing a terrifying new threat that could strike from anywhere. Dun-dun-dun. Dun-dun-dun. So if you like Superman and Batman previous series, I might check this out. I haven't made up my mind yet, but it's a number one. It might The be art looks good. The art looks really good on it. Yeah, it's uh, going to be written by Joshua Williamson, art and cover by David Marquez. So, uh, from what I saw from the from the A cover, it looked like it was pretty good stuff. Uh, cool. Doesn't look like it has an overabundance of covers; just a couple. Looks like because DC does, for the most part, tend to keep their covers under control. Um, naturally, of course, Marvel Comics one thousand. Uh, speaking of covers, Marvel Comics one thousand drops today. I do believe I read somewhere that it has upwards of fifty covers. Oh, boy. I was going to say eighty nine. I would have went for what eighty. 
because isn't this you know the culmination of eighty years of, of Marvel comics? I would have so thought they would have went that route, you know, for marketing purposes. <laughs> I will say some of these covers look pretty nice. I'm not gonna lie. I mean, they do. I'm I'm not going to be buying any of this. We've talked about Marvel Comics 1000 on previous shows, and to me, it's just a little too gimmicky. Yeah, so, yeah, just a little too gimmicky for my taste. You know. They don't have any comic that's up at the thousands like, you know, DC had. They're just trying to piggyback off that success and, you know, with a different creative team for each page. It's just a little too gimmicky for my taste. I think I'm going to pass on it. I hear that. So, uh, Valiant is coming out with Dr. Mirage number one. So how do you solve the case of your own death? Paranormal expert Dr. Shangfong Mirage was born with the ability to see and speak to the dead and an ability that mysteriously stopped working. Have her powers failed or is it something far more sinister at work? There was a. I know that they did Doctor Mirage. Valiant did Doctor Mirage back in the nineties. I had number one because, you know, of course, back then you bought every number one. Oh yeah, especially from a company like Valiant or Image. I don't think I ever read it. I think I just bought it because you know Valiant was hot as fire at that time. So oh, you yeah. had to buy every number one because you never knew. Don't what, forget about the issue zeros. Oh, of course. Oh, yeah, yeah. They're they're pretty much the ones that gave us the issue zeros. Yeah. That was um that was a pretty big thing back. In the, from ninety three to about ninety seven, I think yeah. uh, zero issue. Everybody jumped up, and DC really went went buck wild with with the zero hour storyline. Mm-hmm. Yeah, counted down backwards, yeah. and then um, there was some good zero issues. The Flash was good. The Aquaman issue was good. Uh, the detective comics and everything, uh, Batman, a lot of good stuff came out from that, um, oh, yeah. series. Yeah. It was a pretty good gimmick. I mean, it made, made quite a bit of money for, uh, for various companies. Val- oh, yeah. like I said, Valiant did it first. I remember some of those early Harbinger ones that you could clip the coupon to send off to get the, the zero. Right. Some of those with the coupons still intact are worth a pretty penny because sure. they're hard, super hard to come by. Oh yeah. And the, you know, the zero them. issue comic, it does pretty well value wise too. I never really got into that. I don't know anything about it. The only Valiant book I ever really read was, uh, well, two. I read uh, Exo Man of War, which was excellent, and Turok Dinosaur Hunter. Because, you know, what teenage kid well, yeah. was not going to love a caveman that hunts dinosaurs? It's, uh, yeah, those are like the two big titles they had, right? Yeah, and then and Dr. Solar was a big Dr. one. Dr. Solar was a good one. And then they came up with Ninjack. Mm-hmm. Um, that was a pretty good one. Um, I have uh, Archer I have, and Armstrong, Quantum and Woody. Archer and Armstrong seemed like it was a good concept. That's like the buddy one where they one of them was like immortal, wasn't he? Right. Yeah, that seemed like it was probably a pretty funny one. I had Bloodshot number one. I get well. man, I'm just gonna say Bloodshot and with um that, the Eternal Warrior '90s cover. The Eternal Warrior was a good one too. Um, I don't know. I don't know if it fell through or just everything is on hold. And forgive the wrestling rem- um, reference, but this is um, this is related. Uh, John Morrison was tapped to play the Eternal War- Warrior in a uh, feature film that was uh, that was supposed to have been out. I want to say a couple of years ago, wow. but um, I don't know if it was his commitment to um, Lucha Underground or the promote or whatever promotion he was with or going to at that time that's held everything up but um from what i had saw it looked really good so um <clears throat> and like um i'll give it to him morrison has charisma but he looks more like a tarzan to me 
He looks like he could play uh, a damn good, with your uh, a pretty good Tarzan, Tarzan. But um, it, but um, I was willing to give that one a shot because I had seen, I never read Eternal Warrior, but I had heard Scuttlebutt that it was a Scuttlebutt that it was a really, really good book and really good read. So, see, and I was gonna say just the opposite. I was gonna say apparently Eternal Warrior must be a a, a guy who's good looking but devoid of charisma because I don't <laughs> see what where you're coming about from John Morrison. <laughs> No. The Miz, okay, sure, but John Morrison, not so much. Anyway, next one up, DuckTales number one by IDW. This is one of those ones that kind of puzzles me because I'm not sure why IDW is producing DuckTales and not Marvel since, you know, Disney, of course, owns DuckTales. And I had to bring this up. I don't really have a good description of this for you, but I had to bring this up because this is one of my favorite cartoons from my childhood. Of course. I mean, it's, I mean, it's DuckTales. Our age. Yeah, right. people our age. Uh, yeah, give me some, give me some Gizmo Duck and some Launchpad McQuack, and I'll be Scrooge happy. Scrooge McDuck, man, right. the richest duck in Duckburg, Flintheart Glomgold, the ri- the second richest duck in the Trivia world. Trivia question: Who was the voice of Scrooge McDuck? Oh, I have no idea. I don't know either. Yeah, oh, you got me on that. I can, I'll, I'll just openly. Admit oh that. wow. Okay. Well, uh, it was the late Alan Young, who was known as Wilbur from Mister Ed. Oh, okay. Wow. Okay. A horse is a horse, of course, of course. One one of my favorite shows. Why Albert? <laughs> see, I'm old enough to remember when um, when Net when uh, Nick at Night Nick first at night, yeah. came on the air. Yeah. I watched the daylight some of the, out of some old black and white, so like Mister Ed and Dennis oh, the Menace. Yeah. Oh yeah, man, Mister Ed they was great the bomb, man. <laughs> I'd probably hate him now, but at the time I was so young, I didn't you know really know. I don't him. think you'd ever get tired of Mister Ed because no, he, because just the fact that he just messes with Wilbur and then the guy whoever he whoever did his voice. That was one of the best voices ever because if you didn't laugh, there was something wrong with you. Right. Yeah, I don't think Mr. Ed would work today. Oh, no. But it was great for the beginnings of TV. Well, people didn't. People don't have horses in their backyard anymore. No, exactly. they don't. They no. Don't, so, in you know. suburbia. You know? no. Well, and, and correct me if I'm wrong, but in the first episode, they just bought the house and it kind of came with the horse. <laughs> really? <laughs> if I remember correctly. It's been a while, though. <laughs> yeah, it's been a while. Um, another one coming out today, if you haven't checked this out, Randy and I have talked about a lot about this over the, especially in the very beginning of Lost in a Long Box, The Girl in the Bay trade paperback drops today. Oh. And that was an excellent series. That was your Darkness. joint, man. Yep, that was that was our, our joint, mine and Randy's both. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Him saying joint, that was I, I, I that probably was sounded our, whiter. Our joint. White, uh, white as white could be, didn't uh, I? Absolutely. I did. I take pride in that. I'm not going to lie. Mm. But yes, if you, haven't, you are, man. If, if you haven't checked out Girl in the Bay, you do need to check this out because this was an excellent series and it was one of Dark Horse's best things they probably ever put put out. Anus, you got any new books for us you want to talk about? Uh, I want to talk about Marvel 1000. According to comicbook.com, Batman has a cameo in Marvel 1000. <laughs> I'm telling you, it's it says, oh, we got this zapped out on me. Come on. But it was, I'm like, Batman having a cameo. It says, Marvel Comics celebrates its 80th anniversary today with the release of Marvel Comics 1000. This issue um, features a surprising cameo by one of the most popular characters from the distinguished competition. I love that. Batman. (laughs) And it says, uh, let's see if they're giving you more on it. And it says, this story titled Turkey Soup for the Deadpool Soul sees Deadpool created uplifting cheer-up stories, his ideas include going to be going to a dank buffet and pretending to be Galactus, a totally consensual luau with good friends and a peaceful boat ride. The panel shows the boat ride is, is the interesting one. It has Deadpool making off 
with what looks like the bat boat from Batman Forever, while Batman calls out after him, calls out after him in the foreground. You can't see Batman's face, but that glove and that cowl are distinctive. You can take a look below. It's basically he's driving away, and it looks just like the bat boat. Um, Chris O'Donnell yeah. drove as uh, Robin in Batman Forever, <laughs> and you see one ear on the cowl and the black glove. He go, hey, hey, as uh. As um, Deadpool is driving away saying, uplift accomplished. Nice. There you go. So Batman makes appearance in, in Marvel Comics 1000. Yeah, it's kind of hard not to, describe, uh, to disparage that. Nice, nice. All right. So I guess we'll move on to some of the, the new comic book news today. Um, an announcement was made Sunday by Editor-in-Chief C.B. Sabolsky. This is from Marvel, by the way. And Executive Editor Tom Brevoot at the D23 Expo. The announcement was labeled incoming and stating that the one shot will f- shape the future of Marvel Comics into 2020 and beyond from a single moment in the pages of the Dark Phoenix saga to the events of Marvel Comics of today. Don't know exactly what all that means. Uh, yeah, I'm lost. No, but I... apparently they plan on making this be pretty big, whatever it is, come December. So I guess be on the lookout for that. Yeah. Maybe there'll be more news as, as uh, time goes by and we'll figure out what they're actually going to do has anybody seen the trailer for the season two of titans i have not yet no. uh, that is out for view from what i've heard is good mm-hmm. uh guys does anybody have any interest in seeing the joker movie no i kind of do no i'm not i'm i'm torn because it looks like it could be interesting but at the same time it looks like Okay, if you're not going to be dealing with Batman, I really don't want to see it. Kind of like, yeah, it was good to watch Halle Berry sashay in the her version of Catwoman movie, but like they only called Bruce Wayne by name. You didn't see Batman, so so I'm like, if it's not going to tie into anything that's going to be leading into anything new or sequel wise from the DC Entertainment Universe. I really don't have much interest in seeing it, but at the same time, it, it gives you that worth a look type feel. Well, that's a friend of mine sent me the trailer not not too long ago. Right. And I, you know, I've, I've seen it. I've seen it before. And so I was like, it might be worth a watch. Um, it's, it's quite honestly a character dive. Right. You know, and I'm, I'm, I'm kind of curious to see where they go with it. However, you know, like you said, it's, I don't think it's necessarily designed to be part of the canon universe. It's more just of a, a character a I hard think, look at the character. I think I'm curious enough to see where they go for with it when it comes out on streaming. Oh, yeah. I, I don't think I'm going to pay the big bucks of a movie theater for it. No. So, yeah, that's that's probably not going to happen. Streaming? Yeah. Okay. If it's Netflix and I can get it for free with my Netflix subscription, then sure, we'll yeah. do that. But, uh, another bit of news. Uh, Thor Ragnarok director Taika Watiti is going to be part of James Gunn's Suicide Squad film. Oh, okay. So that is going to be... That is going to be very interesting to see because I think James Gunn is going to take Suicide Squad to the level it should have been when it first came out. Well, I think he's going to do a much better job with it. Right. I mean, it it can't, you know, he's a great director. Right. So I don't want this to sound disparaging to him, but the bar set kind of low. Yeah. Uh, uh, yeah. So, I yeah. mean, you know, he, he doesn't have to make, you know, the, you know, the greatest film in the history of films to, to, to be better than the first one. I think he'll do he'll he'll do much better than what he did the first one, but again, that bar is kind of set a little yeah, low. It's low. 
Yeah, and and truth be told, the saving grace of the film was Margot Robbie is um, Harley Quinn. Will Smith was awesome as Deadshot, and Bat Ben Affleck is Batman, and Bruce Wayne and Viola Davis is Amanda Waller. Yeah, someone described it to me one time, and I don't remember this before or after I'd already seen the movie, but that the movie was about Deadshot and Margot Robbie's ass. <laughs> and that's kind of accurate. Much, pretty much, kind of accurate. So, yeah, and if you Kit, haven't seen it, and go into it knowing that don't forget that's, that's the Enchantress. Mm-hmm. That yeah, she didn't look like much in that movie, but she's pretty fly. Hmm. Yes, yeah. ma'am. I will. I will agree with that. She is a very attractive young lady. Yeah. So Kit Harrington has been cast as Dane Whitman in the new in the upcoming Eternals movie, Black Knight. He hasn't been officially called Black Knight, but apparently, you know that we. We all know that's who it is. Yeah. I mean, you know, Duh. so we know that. But yeah, he's been cast as, um, now he's from Game of Thrones, if I'm not mistaken. Is that right? Yeah. I don't watch like, Game like of Thrones. you don't know. I, I don't. I don't watch Game of Thrones. Yes, he's from Game of Thrones. Yeah. Right? Yeah. My, my wife liked the show. I, I just couldn't get into it, so. Really? Yeah. It just, it didn't do anything for you me. You like D&D at all? I do. And that's what surprised me. I was like, okay. And I like sword and sorcery stuff, too. I'm a, I'm a big King Arthur buff. I just couldn't get. I just couldn't get into it. I was I was really shocked because okay, we have magic. And my man Jason Momoa was in that too. And I'm like, I'm a big fan of his and I could just didn't watch it. We have magic and we have dragons and we have attractive women. Why am I not enjoying it? <laughs> That's weird. I don't know. I just couldn't Tell get me into about it. it. I just couldn't get into it. I mean it wasn't bad. What I saw I, I didn't like what I watched, I didn't hate. It just It was excellent for like four just, seasons. <laughs> how many seasons did it go? Eight, didn't it? I don't know. Oh, okay. I don't. Yeah, my wife couldn't get into the last season. She still has the final two episodes. Oh, she has so unwatched. Yeah, that's I heard really it stunk, man. Couldn't, couldn't get into it. I heard that bad boy smelled. I, I never saw so many people raising hell on Facebook. Oh yeah, people were going oh. <laughs> yeah, there's supposed to be some petition out there to rewrite re- the final season. Yeah, oh, my goodness, it. It crazy. Yeah. oh my god. Um, other news: Black Cat annual number one is supposed to feature the wedding of Felicia Hardy and Peter Parker. Say what? Yeah, they've announced that Black Cat will and Peter will and Spider Man will be getting married. I don't think that's really. Uh, I, I think there's, there's going to be some schmoz. Mm, there's something, something there because yeah, there's going to be a run in or something like that. They done worked so hard to get him and Mary Jane right back together, and they're right at the cusp of doing the same thing. That you're going to bring Felicia Hardy in? Yeah, see, I like me the Black Cat. Don't get me wrong, but no, yeah, no. yeah, I agree with you. But uh, I like Black Cat, but. Peter's supposed to be with Mary Jane. If there's going to be a woman to be at the web slinger side, it has got to be hands down Mary Jane. No doubt. No See, doubt. I, yeah, just, I never back. really got down to the idea that superheroes should get together because I, it would seem like it'd be a very busy life if you're oh, a no superhero. Doubt. Oh, yeah. You know? And so, I mean, it, it's, it's kind of good to have a civilian so you can go home and you're like, oh, just I don't want to be day. Spider-Man. Yeah, exactly. What you a know? day. Doc I, Ock was rampaging downtown again. Yeah, I just want to sit on the couch with my normal wife and watch normal and be a normal person for a few hours. I can see him now. He comes to the house. MJ, Ock, and them damn arms. Them damn arms, baby. (laughs) So many. There's so many. many. (laughs) And they hurt. Where's the brew? (laughs) I want a beer, baby. I want a beer, honey. It's been a long day. Disney Plus has announced three new upcoming series. Moon Knight. Dun, 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 dun. Oh yeah! Yeah, I saw you post that. Yeah, yeah. Miss Marvel and She Hulk. I'm I'm kind of down for uh, all of that. Oh yeah, I, I'm gonna check it all out. Yeah, I, I've I've voiced 
several times on this show that I'm not a Moon Knight fan. This doesn't change that, but I'll check it out. I'll say this. I'm a Moon Knight fan for the Doug Minch and Bill Sinkovich run. I liked when, I don't know who did the writing, but Stephen Platt, the guy that did did the awesome artwork back in the early to mid-90s. But the most recent one where I've never thought, They've, they've done the same thing to Moon Knight, what they did to Batman. Because you remember Batman, his psychological profile was never issued. Now, and in the, in the 90s, particularly. Yeah. Yeah. And, and like in the 90s, they just like, okay, let's make him crazy. Or accuse him of being crazy. Or accuse him of being crazy. Well, you got to be a little crazy to be Batman. I mean, obviously. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. But, but, but I mean, he's a. He's a, he's a guy that holds his crazy together. Yeah, they've got Moon Knight. This fool is gone. The way yeah. that they, the way they've done done Moon Knight when when um it um I, if folks if if I may make a recommendation, get the hardcover of the first Moon Knight with um um Doug Mensch and Bill Sinkovich. Doug Mensch's writing and Bill Sinkovich's artwork. Um, that was the those are the reprints of the backup stories that appeared in the Hulk magazine. Those are some of the best Moon Knight stories ever. And there are some that were in the um the um the prestige format or the deluxe format that was released in the uh, 80s with uh, Sinkovich on doing the art and Kevin Nolan doing the inks. Give it a little spooky feel to it. And like I said, Madman will agree with me on this. It was only a select few issues. It wasn't consecutive like the um, you know you know all of this stuff about comic books. I have never read, so I mean, I've never really read. Man. Well, if I may make a yeah. recommendation to you, my friend, if you want to jump on the Moon Knight bandwagon, uh, definitely get that hardcover. Um, um, then they reprints the uh, backup stories by Mention Sinkovich. Good stuff. Now, Miss Marvel, I know nothing about. I know nothing about the character Kamala Khan. All I know is nothing. every time I see her, she's got one big fist. Yeah, she and, appears uh, to have like stretching powers, powers like yeah. Mr. Fantastic. Yeah. I think that's one of the reasons why I'd be most intrigued by this, because I'd go in with it with a complete blank slate with no right. pre- preconceived notions or nothing like they need to do this or they need to do that. And I could just you know watch it and you know either enjoy it or hate it on its own right. merits are you saving she-hulk for last because that's yes. the highlight yeah yeah yeah, exactly. yeah, yeah that, yes, that's exactly yes, why yes, that's coming yes. up last that's because why that's the biggest we're one that we're because talk that's the about. one i think we all want to see and lord knows if they take the take the direction of john burns run i'm all in so this is what I i'm loving She-Hulk. i want the feminine more feminine version of she-hulk instead yeah. of the one that they have right now i don't, I don't want a female hulk just just as big as the male hulk yeah i want the more feminine one and I either want Burns run like you know and make it be a comedy where she breaks the fourth wall, or or it could be like a Law and Order type show with a large green lawyer, and I'd be oh. happy with that too. <laughs> yeah, either th- one. Did either of you did y'all ever read that Marvel graphic novel one shot that Byrne did of She Hulk the the, um, the sensational She Hulk? I did not know. Oh, guys, you got to get that. I got. I, I lost mine, so I got to find. I'm. A, I'm going. I'm, I'm going to pay a pretty pay pay a pretty penny for it. But I'm going to get it. Was great. I think I have one of those. Yeah, it's 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 like it's a cover of her in a black bathing suit flexing on the cover. Oh, okay. Yeah, I don't think I have that one. Yeah, I don't. Th- I, I know I've never. But, read but it. like, but yeah, like, if 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 you want to see She Hulk at her most sexy and her most fly, and yet 
powerful and kicking butt at the same time, this one shot's the one to get the edge that's, of the collection. That's hot. Yep. That's hot. That's what, I, that's what I'm, I'm going to say about that. That's yep, hot. yep, yep. Yeah, so either way, you know, the the burn run where she top breaks the fourth wall yeah. or, you know, Law and Order oh, yeah. She-Hulk. Either one would be fine. But if, if they did the fourth wall thing, would, don't you think people say, oh, they're stealing that from Deadpool? They will. They will. But the true the true fans will still watch it yeah. and they'll know. They'll know. So, yeah, Deadpool folks that are out there, he was by far not the first person to do that. Yeah. She-Hulk definitely did it before him. Zach Morris did it before him. And Zach Morris. There you go. Have you seen, speaking of which, have you seen on, on like YouTube, Zach Morris is trash? Yes. yes. Isn't that fantastic? <laughs> it is fantastic. I never knew how big a are jerk. Are me? I mean, I knew he was a jerk. But then they start playing this stuff back. I was like, oh, my God. Why did I like this This dude guy? is an absolute tool. And yes. I, knew it, I knew it back in the day. Look, I did not know it back in the day. But it's like, oh, my God. There was no way that you could not watch that show and not want to kick his butt. Right. Oh, my God. Yeah, he was absolutely he, trash. He was just he was like he was a horse's ass, but he was a likable horse's ass. That's how he got over. Yep. That's how he got over. And he got everybody tied up in a whole bunch of junk, and he stood back like, I ain't did nothing. Yeah. And well, Kelly Kapowski's all over him. It was like, get out of town. Yeah. The best best girl in the school. Yeah. All over him. All over you, man. It's furious. Makes you want to murder a guy. Tell me. <laughs> <laughs> oh, goodness gracious. Look, that, and do you remember the guys next door? <laughs> guys next door? It was, it was, it was, it was, folks, you ever watch those shows where they'll just put anybody together just to try to sell a product? They put these four dudes together, called them the guys next door. They had a song and I'm not making this up. Go to YouTube and watch it. Bad hair day. Oh, that just sounds bad. It does sound bad. Folks, it was painful to watch four dudes singing about bad hair. One of them was a brother. Oh, what would make it better is if he was, you know, shaved his head and was bald. Yeah, was it? Let's see, see, see. Everybody can't be cool like me. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right, madman. Why don't we go ahead and pay the bills and we'll get on to show and tell time? Absolutely. So, uh, Lost in a Long Box is sponsored by Flashback Comics. Flashback Comics is based out of Woodbridge, Virginia, and they have tons of new comics, back issues, trade paperbacks toys and statues go pick up those moon knight ones i bet you he's got them i'm sure he does yeah they're located at 3112 ps business drive just off smoketown road and their hours are monday through saturday from 10 a.m to 6 30 p.m and on sundays they're open from 11 a.m to 5 p.m be sure to tell troy that lost in the long box sent you all right Enos, what you got for us tonight all right folks for show and tell i know we only do one but i have i have two that are very special overachiever i know um, the first one that I'm going to show you is Detective Comics number seven oh one. Yeah, uh, the camera, see the camera right in front of you. Oh, there you go. Seven oh one. Now this is part of the legacy storyline where Rachel Ghoul unleashed the legacy virus, and Bane had joined him to be the um uh the betrothed of Talia. Yeah. Now, what is significant about this issue? This is the rematch between Batman and Bane after he broke his back during the Nightfall storyline. Batman is healed, healthy, and at full strength. Bane does, is, has been relieved of Venom. 
Batman hands Bane his butt on a silver platter. Yeah. I'm not surprised by that. I always thought that Bane was probably not much without Venom. Because yeah. what and 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 here's the thing that got his butt kicked. He made Batman mad. He tried to drown him, and Batman started having flashbacks of the Waynes being murdered and Tim being murdered by the Joker. And instead of falling apart, this fool gets mad and commences to beating the living hell out of Bane. I, he beat Bane so bad, I, I felt sorry for him. <laughs> wow. And the last time I felt sorry for somebody taking a beating from Batman was when the joke was doing the Nightfall storyline when the joke, when the scarecrow threw his fear toxin at Batman, and instead of Batman getting scared, he got angry because his worst fear had come true. And he got angry. And the first person that was stupid enough to be standing in front of him was the Joker. And he beat him mercilessly. Now, my second book, this is nothing significant except. This was the first regular assignment for the late Norm Bryfogle. And we got that Mike W. Barr up there, too. Yes. That's right. And uh, like this him. is Detective Comics number 579 from 1987. This is um, Norm Bryfogle. There was a Batman annual that came out the year before that was um, that introduced him. And there was a story with the, um, the third Clayface that had art by George Freeman. And uh, there was a second story that introduced us to Norm Bryfogle. He became that enabled him to become so popular. They gave him his um, own Batman title. This is this particular book is the first ongoing assignment he had um, with Detective and began a long association with the Dark Knight. Rest in peace, Norm. We loving you, Miss. We we miss you, brother. Yeah, and that's a fantastic cover right there. It's beautiful work. That's yeah, cool. All right. Next one up is we have our Silver Age edition from Madman. Uh-oh. Go ahead, Madman. Let's get it back here. There we go. Nothing but the Justice truth. Justice League of America, number 60. Drones attack and destroy Batgirl. Wing <laughs> Warriors of the Immortal Queen. This is a pretty book right here. Yeah, it is. It's a little faded. but A little it's, uh, faded, but it's still pretty man, man, it's still awesome, but man, man, you ain't nothing but the truth, bro. Great looking spine. Well, I just, I love those Silver Age covers, man. That that stuff straight out of the 60s. And that, yeah, this is this is beautiful. Yeah. Right here. Absolutely beautiful. I would buy this book today. Just, I've got some Silver Age Detective Comics with Carmine Infantino covers. Oh, yeah? I'm going to look for those. I'm going to my storage <laughs> unit next week, probably not next, not this Saturday, but next Saturday. If I don't have anything going on, I'm going in and I'm going to look for them and see if I can bring start having them to bring them here on the show and check and show them to you guys. And awesome. if you need any help looking <laughs> through your comics, you can you know definitely give me a ring. I'll go yeah, out there and, and, and help you look. Oh, uh, yeah, we do. <laughs> for those of you that are, quotes, are, are yeah, watching on YouTube, quotes. I was doing the air quotes with my fingers when I said, look, so, <laughs> inferring that I would probably try to you know, take some <laughs> to yoink them, just in case you're wondering. <laughs> All right. So tonight, my book goes a little bit more with tonight's theme. It is the a copy of the Eternals. Number one. This book is, of course, blowing up ever since the announcement that 
the Eternals are going to be coming to the big screen. This is by Jack Kirby with that sweet Kirby art right there on the yeah, front. Right. Yes, sir. Yep. Spot this, it anywhere. Yep. You spot it anywhere. As you can see, they had a $10 price tag on it. I was actually fortunate enough to get this 50% off at a yard sale. Nice. Yes, bad boy cost me all of five bucks. And, and you obviously bought that from somebody who didn't know what they had. Right. You know, and uh, I, also, I got this and my copy of Guardians of the Galaxy, the 90s version, uh, number one, at the same time. Um, you know, like I said, this book is now exploding ever since the um, ever since the the TV the movie was announced with Angelina Jolie in it. And I want she like, gonna be in it. She is supposed to be in it, yeah. And I'm gonna go on record right now saying that I think Brad Pitt downgraded when he left Jennifer. Aniston yes, he did. Bad, yes, bad, he did. Bad man is shaking his head no, but haven't we already argued? About we, this? we have already. I argued wasn't it, here. But I'm bringing it up again. I wasn't here, so I want to weigh in on that. If I had to choose between Angelina Jolie and Jennifer Aniston, both of them are beautiful, but man, that Jennifer Aniston is how I like the way she walks. <laughs> yes. I don't definitely. get it. I don't get the Aniston of the <laughs> I don't get it. I, I don't know. What can hey, I say, man? man? Can hey, I say? listen, the way she wears her hair, and now now lie and say if uh what was that movie that uh she played the horny dentist? Oh, oh! E- bad bosses, evil bosses, horrible bosses, horrible bosses. But that's a different thing. <laughs> <laughs> that's a different thing because that's about personality. No, oh yeah, somebody's personality. Oh yeah, yeah. But but man, boy, I would like to have been in the place of that dude. I'm like, yeah. and I and, and be single. Mm-hmm. Yeah, come on. Yeah, yeah you, 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 yes, indeed. Come on. <laughs> Any time. Yep, you're crazy. Yeah, you're, you're crazy, crazy but look, I'd I be like, I'd be like Trump. Um, instant fault. Got my mind made up. Come on, you can get it. Get it, girl. Come on. <laughs> and so that leads us to tonight's last news item of the evening. Today is August twenty eighth, two thousand nineteen, and it would have been the hundred and second birthday for Jack the King Kirby. Here, here. Rest in which peace. will be Rest our in peace, sir. which will be our topic of conversation tonight in honor of his birthday, Jack. Kirby. He was born Jacob Kurtzenberg on August 28th, 1917 in Lower East Side, Manhattan. He was raised by his parents, Rose and Benjamin, and were Austrian Jewish immigrants. His father was a factory worker, and Kirby had de- desired to escape his, ner- his neighborhood. He wanted to draw. He, at 14, he enrolled in the Pr- Pratt Institute in Brooklyn, leaving after a week. He wasn't the kind of student Pratt was looking for. They wanted someone that wor- wanted to work on stuff forever, and he didn't want to do that. He wanted to be able to move on. Well, it was a different market for artists back then. Oh, no doubt. No doubt. You know, this, oh, yeah. Yeah. Whole different market. Um, he joined the Lincoln Newspaper Syndicate in 36, working there on comic strips and single pan- panel advice co- uh, cartoons such as Your Health Comes First. I'd love to be able to find some of that stuff. Mm. Right. I mean, it's not out there. There's no way. But There's got to be somebody. Uh, there may be someone, but I'm sure World War II paper drives destroyed oh, it. Oh, yeah. You know, I about that. I mean, maybe you'll find some, you know, some addict that's been... You know, eaten by moths and everything. But somebody somewhere has that and they know what they have and they're not telling. Yeah, that's possible. That's possible, but I don't think it's probable. Yeah. He remained there until 39 when he began working in the movie animation company Fleischer Studios as an an artist who fills in the action between major movements on Popeye cartoons. Ah. So if you've ever seen any of those early Popeye cartoons, you've seen some of Jack Kirby's animation work. 
Oh, cool. I remember watching one of those on a, my grandparents had one of those reel to reel things. Right. Oh, man. Up. That's oh, cool. Yeah, Papa, I used to love watching that as a kid. <laughs> he didn't like that work. He wanted to get out in a hurry because he couldn't take that kind of thing, describing it as, as being a factory. You know, they just kind of manufacture his yeah, comic book. Right. Yeah. yeah. Um, about this time, the comic book industry was booming. And he was drawing for began drawing for the comic book packager Eisner and Eager, a handful of films, firms creating comics on demand. Um, he did his first comic book work, Wild Boy Magazine, at this time, included such strips as the science action, the diary of Dr. Hayward, under the pseudonym Kurt Davis. He's first used the pseudonym uh, Lance Kirby and two Lone Rider Western stories in Eastern Color Printing's famous funnies, 63 through 64, and that was in October to November of 39. And he ultimately settled on the pen name Jack Kirby because it reminded him of actor James Cagney. Ah. However, he took offense to those who suggested he changed his name because to hide his Jewish heritage. Well, a lot of people did that. Yeah, well, that's not uncommon, especially back then. Yeah, I mean, yeah. we're we're talking about the year like thirty nine, nineteen thirty nine. Yeah, I mean, that's right. not uncommon back then. And you know, if he did do it, you know, to to you know, give himself more jobs or something like that, he wasn't the only one. Oh yeah. So yeah. Yeah, I, I mean, I have no reason to believe that he wasn't proud of his Jewish heritage, and I think don't think he did it for that reason, but, you know. Well, uh, yeah. So, but yeah. We move on to his partnership with Joe Simon. Yeah, right. Speaking of legends, this is another other, legend. Other legends. Other yeah. legends. This is another legend. He moved to the comic book publisher uh, Fox Feature Signa- uh, Syndicate, earning a then-reasonable $15 a week salary. Nice. I want you to let that sink in. There Live it in the moment. high life. Exactly. Steak dinners every oh, night. Hey, man. Well, I... look, y'all know money went a whole lot further back then. Oh, yeah. Well, I hope so, because if I got a paycheck today for $15, I think I would openly weep. Especially <laughs> if it was for a 40 hour work week, I'd be, um, where's the rest? Tell me about a, man, somebody be catching a foot. I tell yeah, you. Right. <laughs> I'll be making some calls. Crazy. I swear. <laughs> it was during this time that he met and started collaborating with Joe Simon. In addition to his staff work, he continued to work freelance. Um, after leaving Fox and collaborating on the premiere issue of Fawcett Comics Magazine, Fawcett Comics Captain Marvel number, Adventures Number 1 in March 1941. So Jack Kirby was the artist on Number 1. Um, wow. They were told that he needed to mimic creator C.C. Beck's drawing style, <laughs> which kind of stinks. I would have really liked to see. But there's comic companies that do that to this day. Oh, oh yeah. 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 But oh, I mean, I really God, love yes. to see, you know, Kirby's take on on Captain Marvel in his yeah, own. Absolutely. In his own style. In, in his own style. Yeah. Because mm-hmm. I've made no bones about it that I'm a huge fan of the Big Red Cheese. Oh, yeah. So oh, yeah. a Kirby cover with Captain Marvel would be awesome. Would it be amazing to me? That would be like one of my holy grails of comic books. Just to digress for a brief moment, you are aware on the DC Universe app that they have they are showing the remastered Shazam live action TV shows. I am. I am. Yeah, I remember you guys have talked about it. Um I don't know if my I think my sub- subscription may have expired because I no longer have that bank account anymore. Uh-huh. So I'll have to get that back so I can check that out. And also the um for a Silver Age, we look like we all three are big fans of the Silver Age of DC. Um they are now showing the remastered sixty eight Aquaman t- um cartoon. Oh my goodness. And there and, and here's what's really cool. They've got included the bumpers that introduce the Justice League green lantern the flash adam or teen titans cartoons so it's almost like you're watching it when it, as it as it was presented on television during that time oh, wow. so it's and 
It's fantastic. Uh, if anybody out there can tell me when they're going to release these on DVD, please let me know because I will be purchasing them. <laughs> so from there, he went on to a new magazine called Timely Comics. I've I, heard of that one. I, hmm. think, I think we've all heard of that one, haven't Ooh, yeah. we? Hmm. Who did they become? Marvel. Marvel. <laughs> Later to become Marvel Comics. Uh, there they created the patri- a, a new superhero in 1940. Does anybody here know who that was? Let me take a wild guess. Pretty obscure. Wouldn't, wouldn't you may have be, never heard of him before. It, 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 you know, he he he's very rare, but but you know, he had a cult like following. Cult like following. That's Captain yeah. America, ladies and gentlemen. Yep. His first issue came out. Captain America Comics was released in early 1941. Iconic cover. Iconic yeah. cover of him punching punching Hitler, Hitler in the face every year on July 4th. If you guys are, if anyone's on friends of mine on my personal Facebook page, I try to share the the picture I have of that of that comic. It says "Happy July Fourth." Here yep. is a picture of Captain America punching Hitler. In the face. And if if you want, it to, never gets old. No. Oh no. Never gets and, old. But actually, the first time I saw that was not the actual cover for Captain America. It was actually the first page of. Um, Captain America number two fifty five back in nineteen eighty one. John Byrne recreated that. Oh, on yeah. the very first page of the Cap of Cap's origin, you open the, the cover is him shaking hands with Bucky. It's by Frank Miller and George and Joel um, Joseph Rubenstein, and you open up the cover. Very first page, you see Captain America giving Hitler one cross of lips like Fred Sanford used to do. There you go <laughs> on Sanford and Son. Yeah. So apparently the the comic was a success because it sold out in days, and the second issue's print run was set at over a million copies. Wow. So apparently it was. A minor success. A tad. A tad successful. Oh, yeah. Tad successful. Um, With the success of Captain America, they felt that they were not being paid enough, a bigger percentage of the profit, so they sought work with at National Comics Publications, which would later become Become DC. DC, yep. Yep. They negotiated a deal that would pay them a combined $500 a week. Well, step up from that 15 bucks. Yeah, a little step up. On the 15 bucks, yeah. Making $250 a week. I'd still cry if that was my paycheck to this day. But... That would step up. It's a different time. Apparently, they were making $75 and $85 a week at Timely. Um, they were afraid that they would not be paid if they found out they were moving to D.C., but many people knew of their plan, including editorial assistant Stan Lee. Mm. When it was discovered, he told Simon and Kirby to leave after finishing the work on Captain America number 10. Wow. Yeah. So it looks like at least Kirby felt Stan Lee ratted him out. <laughs> So hmm. whether he did or not, I don't know. You know, that's kind of lost the time and all the yep. players in that are no longer with us. But I guess draw your own conclusions. Yeah, I suppose so. So they spent their first weeks try at DC trying to uh, devise new characters. And after failed editor ghosting assignments, they were told, just do what you want. So they revamped the Sandman and Adventure Comics and created the superhero Manhunter. They created the Boy Commandos. They scored a hit with the home front gang, the Newsboy Legion, featured in, in right. Star Spangled Comics. So, And also, is, this is a little known fact, and I happened to stumble upon this when I got out of service in uh, 1989. I purchased a 1949 Green Hornet book. It's not in the greatest of condition, but I... Green Hornet from 49. Yeah, and, uh, but there was a backup story with a character called Stuntman, drawn by Jack Kirby. Because it, he drew him the same way he drew Sandman. Well, and, yeah. But that's the thing about joke uh, about Kirby. Is, uh, 
uh, his stuff was everywhere. He yeah. was drawing all the time. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, he was a workhorse. He was yeah. definitely. He definitely was a working artist. That is. That is for sure. Yeah, he's the hardest working man in show business. Right. I mean, mm-hmm. I don't know how With many times I've James been flipping Brown. through some old comic book and see some back. Uh, some B story at the back of a comic book, and it's like drawn Kirby. by Jack, Jack Kirby. Yep. So he was drafted into World War II, uh, drafting the U.S. Army on June seventh, nineteen forty-three. After basic training at Camp Stewart, he was assigned to Company F of the Eleventh Regiment Infantry Regiment. He landed on Omaha Beach in Normandy on August twenty-third, nineteen forty-four. Two and a half months after D-Day, Bronze Star. Yeah. When he, when his lieutenant found out that he was uh, that he drew comics, he was made into a scout and would advance into, advance into towns to draw reconnaissance maps and yep. pictures. An extremely dangerous duty. Mm-hmm. How would you like to have one of those maps? Absolutely. Oh my speaking, God. speaking of his early work in the newsstands, I would love to have a hand drawn yeah. Kirby yeah. map recon, recon map. Oh my God, yeah, that right. would be like the ultimate. That'd be it. Yeah. Yeah. Right above your desk. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That would be prominently displayed above your desk. Oh, yeah. And it'd be it'd be locked up tight so it could no one could take it off the wall. Yeah. It's drawn on the back of a French menu. Yeah. crazy. (laughs) I mean, that'd be amazing. So post-war, he him and Simon were basically responsible for making the romance novel genre. And make yeah, because that was getting hot after that the war. That was getting hot after the war because, you know, su- of course, superheroes were major on the decline then. Yeah. I think they may have, maybe, you know, this is a discussion for another time, but I think they may have relied too much on Hitler during the war yeah, to, and when, when Hitler was gone. I mean, honestly, I understand why they did. Mm-hmm. You're not going to ever have a, a better villain than that. No I mean, argument there. I mean, he's real. It's a real supervillain. Really, yeah. a real life supervillain. You don't, they don't come around every day. <coughs> so I understand why they did that. So he got, he got a little bit better when Atlas Comics relaunched uh, Captain America 1954. So him and Joe Simon created Fighting American. So they wanted to show Marvel how to right. do Captain America right. <laughs> All right. After Simon, at the they launched their own comic. They ended up launching their own company, Mainline Productions, securing a deal with Newsleader in late 53 or 54. And their friend Hart bear with me a moment here he makes a temporary return to t- former timely comments the direct predecessor predecessor of marvel and then was approached by editor-in-chief to work suggested he could get kirby back to pencil some stuff while freelancing for national comics dc he drew 20 stories for atlas from 56 to 57 beginning with the five-page minefield in battleground 14 in november 1956 and in some cases inked with his wife roz so that was pretty cool he wrote stories of, of the Western hero Black Rider, the Fu Manchu-like Yellow Claw, and several more. He began drawing Sky Masters of the Space Force, a newspaper comic strip written by the Wood Brothers and initially inked by the unrelated Wally Wood. Kirby left National D.C. largely to a contract dispute in which editor, the editor who had been involved in getting hot Kirby and the Wood Brothers and Sky Masters claimed that he was due royalties from his share of the ship's uh, strip's profits. He was successfully sued by Kirby. Some DC editors criticized him over art details, such as not drawing the shoelaces and on Calverman's boots. But uh, let's let's yeah, seriously, nitpicky, right? And showing a Native American mounting his horse from the wrong side. I don't know anything about horseback riding, so I didn't know there was a right or wrong side. Yeah, I don't, that's right. This yeah. is news to me. I, I don't know. So, so then we get going to come up to 1958. When it all begins, the Silver Age of Comics. Yep. So 
the Silver Age may have started with Showcase 4 and The Flash, but hands down, it belonged to Marvel. Oh, yeah. Uh, okay. You disagree, Madman? No, continue. Okay. No, no, if you got something to, to say. I think it, you know, the the age is def- is not necessarily defined by who who did what first or anything like that. It's a general uh, changing of the genre, genu- general changing of our culture, right? That was captured in that time in the sixties, late late fifties, early sixties, um, and that's what changed uh, our our culture. American culture yep. changed, and that changed our art. Mm-hmm. So I don't think it necessarily matters who who did what first or. Yeah, it was part. That was the big change, the cultural change in America at the time, and it reflected in the art. I think it's safe to say that both DC and Marvel made indelible contributions to the Silver Age of comics, where DC basically, which was pure genius, to revamp revamp old characters, but still keep the same ones to give them a counterpart. But Marvel, what they did, they did books and brought about characters that were groundbreaking in the sense to where DC dealt with the fantastic, where Marvel dealt with the fantastic too, but it was it was tempered with real realism. Mm-hmm. Or well, as realistic as you can be. I yeah, guess. right. And and a lot of people could identify with a lot. <laughs> I think they created the characters that were more identifiable than anything. Absolutely. Uh, Batman, Superman, Flash, these are all like uh, professional men. They're, mm-hmm. you know, and they're just, I'm just trying to do the right thing, being an ups- right. upstanding good guy. But then, you know, Marvel's coming out here with uh, with Namor, who's like, who's furious at humanity. Oh, yeah. You know, uh, the Torch, the original Torch, you know, is like confused about his identity, almost like a kind of a Frankenstein story. Right. Mm-hmm. You know, with that guy. And so, I mean, it was uh, far more inter- or realistic characters, I think, in the sense that, you know, I, uh, you know, getting superpowers is probably fairly traumatic. I would right, imagine. Right, yeah, right. I would imagine. It would and, have to and, be. And, and, and I think one of the things that a lot of people and a lot of fans, I hope I'm not just stepping on anybody's toes, but I think it's glamorized to the point where you don't realize if that actually happened there's nothing glamorous about it. Have did did you guys see the Incredible Hulk with um, the Incredible Hulk movie with Edward Norton? Absolutely. I have not. Yeah. I did it's not. Excellent. Okay. It is very. I do like it. Is very underrated, and it's unfair how well Edward Norton did it by being greedy. But they um, took a page from Mike Diodato to create that Hulk. Yeah. And but one of the things I got from that, when you look at the transformation. There's nothing cool about it. That looks painful. Yep, terrifying. They, they, they actually, they actually went in depth on showing the actual transformation and what Bruce Banner goes through. And like you know, it ain't like you know when you watch the seventy old TV show with Bill Bixby and Lou Ferrigno, you see a shirt tear, the yeah. shoes bust, and everything. You know because that's cool. But in this, you saw um, then where there's one scene. Uh, where he's they're trying to cure him, and he's bolted and he's um, confined to the chair, and you see his chest raise and you see it spread yeah. out. That looked painful. 
Absolutely. So, so it sounds like it. Yeah, and so where a lot of people think it's cool to be able to get mad and turn into the Hulk, can, but you got to remember this guy's going from like about five nine to about seven feet. Exactly. Ouch! Talk about growing pains. You yeah, growing pains. Oh uh, yeah. Doctor Seaver couldn't do anything about about that. Doctor Seaver. <laughs> I never thought we'd have a Doctor Seaver reference on this show, but okay. So some of the some of the early works that he had when first coming back were Groot. Right. I am Groot. I am Groot. Uh, Fing Fang Foom. Right. right. As well, yeah, as well as Red big old stories. dragon. Yep. So well, those were the different. days where like Stan Lee would just come in and have come up with some stupid name and say draw something like this. Right. 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 He also additionally freelanced for Archie Comics around this time. Uh, reuniting with Joe Simon to do The Fly and The Double Life of Private Strong. Never read either of those, but I have heard of them. Speaking of the mic, bro. Oh, okay. That better? Well, you can move the mic. Sorry. I thought I had it oh, you know, yeah. a little bit better to my uh, to my mouth. <laughs> so, But yeah, he was also freelancer for Archie with The Fly and The Double Life of Private Strong and drew a few issues of uh, Classics Illustrated. It was in 1961 that him and Stan Lee hit it big. Anyone right. want to take a guess as to what that was? Fantastic Four. Fantastic, Fantastic Four? Four number one. Spider-Man? Not yet. Spider-Man. No. <laughs> no, this is this is a this is Fantastic Four number one in 1961. The beginning of the Marvel superheroes. Right. Batman's got that look. I know you're not a big Fantastic Four fan. I, I just I don't You gotta give them their due here though. I think Amazing Fantasy 15 is when Marvel came into their own. I don't I don't count Fantastic Four as all that interesting. Yeah, but if they hadn't been successful there, there probably wouldn't have been Amazing Fantasy 15. I, I just I don't think that that's I still think that that's not a viable intellectual property. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Randy, if you're listening, but but, um, but I see your point. But um, where Fantastic Four came in and gave Marvel the Silver Age and Marvel the launching pad, Spider-Man just carried them to the next level. Yeah, Spider-Man yeah. was was Lee and Ditko. Yeah, that's right. right. And Kirby was originally supposed to to do the the art on it, but Lee did not like his art for Spider-Man. He said it wasn't bad, it just wasn't what he wanted for the character. Yeah. So that's that's why we did not have Kirby on uh, on Spider-Man. But apparently he did do the pencils for the the cover to Amazing Fantasy 15 even though he didn't didn't do everything yeah. but you know during this time you know once uh after the fantastic four hit some of their some of the big uh collaborations the hulk thor yeah iron man the original x-men dr doom the watcher ego yeah. the living planet which you know was in the second guardians of the galaxy movie the inhumans the black panther was a big one yeah that's a big notch in his belt and he yep. and a lot of people do not notice and i did speak about this during our african-american uh um special that we did it was jack kirby who was i w- i don't want to say single-handedly because um stan had his hand in it but if jack kirby had not saw that blacks were properly represented in comics because they were drawn in the racist style where the, they they looked like apes. Yeah, they had yeah. the, they, oh, yeah. they had yeah. those they had the lips and everything, and <laughs> and to this day, a lot of people talk about Will Eisner. Oh yeah, and how great he was. I have no problem with Will Eisner and the contribution that he has made to comics. However, However, he had the opportunity to present black people in a positive light, and he chose to go with the stereotype. 
And Jack Kirby, God bless him. And if and if um you can see the interview on A&E's biography of Stan Lee, where Jack Kirby said from his mouth, he said, one day I looked around and I saw that there were no blacks and they were not being properly represented. So I decided to create a character that was a, a proper representation. And he did just that. It wasn't stereotypical. It was actually point of origin has him as an African king and he and um, he meets the fantastic four and he comes into his own in the Marvel universe. And, um, and you know, a lot of people, I've heard a lot of people give black Panther, a lot of flack and everything. And they were saying this and that about the movie and what have you look, it's like this. When you look at that character and look at how much of an impact that he has had culturally and socially, and let's face it, it isn't just black people that love the Black Panther. Black, I, when I went, I don't know about you guys because, you know, I didn't really, though Tommy, you and I have known each other, um, you and I didn't really interact with you and Randy until like um, earlier this year. But every, I've, I saw Black Panther three times. I have never seen such a melting pot oh, yeah. of people of all races going to see that going movie to see that it. movie and love it. There were people I saw blacks, whites, Latinos, Asians. I saw people of every race all crowded in a movie theater and sitting and watching this movie. You actually could watch the movie. No one was in there making noise. Yeah. And I mean, that is, and I mean, you can say whatever the hell you want about, about T'Challa and his impact, but if you can bring people together, absolutely, the way that Black Panther for that time in February of 2018 did, my hat's off to him. Thank you, Mr. Kirby, for bringing him, for giving us King T'Challa. Absolutely. Because look at what, because, because we... I'm not trying to get political, but I'm going to be real about this. It's your opinion on the, on the climate that we have socially. Some may go one way, some may go the other. But when Black Panther was released, all of that went to hell. Yeah. And, we, and people got along. You saw people in the lobby after the movie theater talking about it. It brought people together. So... Like him or not, give him his due for for enabling the enabling the us to show the world how really good we are as exactly. Americans. What we have in common, and so what we all have in common. You could look at that black uh, that black outfit he was wearing, and so the in some of those scenes, you know, everyone in the theater is like, "Damn, I want one of those." Exactly, yeah, was- especially when it with the one that when Shuri um, created the one that absorbed all of that. Impact, oh, yeah. and then he could throw it back at somebody. Oh, yeah. That was cool. Yeah. So I apologize for the us uh, having to go a little bit quick here at the end because obviously yeah. we have we, we don't have much time left. Yeah. But he did leave Marvel in 1970. At the time, he was earning thirty five thousand dollars a year freelancing for that company, which is crazy in 1970. Yeah. And returned to DC in 71, where he did the Fourth World. And even though it was kind of a commercial failure at the time, that did give us a lot of great concepts, such as, for example, Dark Side. Right. Um, his final work was at in, in his final years was in in the late nineties when he did some stuff for Topps Comics when they b- adapted the the Kirby verse. Oh right. <laughs> he he had passed away on February sixth at nineteen ninety four at the age of seventy six. 
Him and his wife were married in 1942 and together until his death in 1994. They had four children. And for those of us who grew up during the 70s, um, there were, he had a big hand in the animated series as well. He did work on the Black Hole for Disney. Mm-hmm. And he was and he did the model sheets for the new Fantastic Four cartoon in 78 with that lame Herbie. And his most notable work was for Thundar the Barbarian a year later. Right. All in all, a fantastic career. We did not have enough time to commit complete justice, as there's Absolutely. many, many things that were unfortunately there isn't enough. There isn't enough. Um, yeah, this, it, it, this can't be done in one show. No, the man no. made too much of an impact. Yeah. Absolutely. Oh yeah. He he's one of the greatest of all time. I I I'd, I'd say that Siegel and Schuster, Kane and Finger were, would probably rate ahead of him. But still, but, but not too many. Not but too not, many. Not too many. Yeah. Yeah. So. And, and and my creators for for that time, um, I would say it's um, Siegel and Schuster, Kane, Finger and Kane. I'm saying Finger first because Finger was the one that gave us the Batman that we know, yeah. not Kane. You'd have to put Marston in there. And uh, who's that? Marston, Wonder Woman Wonder creator. Wonder Wonder William Moulton Marston, yes. When uh, Lee Falk, the creator of the Phantom, Mandrake, the magician. Um, we've got Kirby, Gardner, Fox. I mean, um, the, the the list goes on. And we are all to the better because these guys did this. Created that wonderful, wonderful art. And, yes, sir. Yep. And, you know, as of 2018, characters that he had created had earned over $7 billion in the box office. Oh, yeah. Wow. Yep. So it's out now with Endgame. That was didn't even put Endgame, which made, what, $2 billion. So it's right. now over $9 billion for characters he had a hand in creating. Right. I mean – Seriously, that's big, amazing. Big influence on us all. Oh, Absolutely. yeah. Absolutely. Hey, hey, look, I think it's safe to say, guys, we've all spent our money well. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, Jack, we love you. We thank you. Miss and you. and Re- even though you left us at 74, it was still too soon. Yeah. Rest in eternal Rest peace, in eternal sir. Peace, but friend. thank you for a body of work that will continue to inspire us all for years to come and those who will come behind us. Yes, indeed. Thank you, sir. Thank you. Well, that's well. But that's all for Lost in the Long Box this week. We will be back with you next week. Randy should be back, from my understanding. And I'm not sure what we're talking about yet, but we will see you then. We'll let you know. Yep. Have a good night, everybody. Bye. Good night, folks. <laughs>